You're listening to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast, hosted by Dr. Bill Goodnight and Dr. Chris Robinson. Each month, we take an in-depth look at a paper published in the American Journal of Perinatology. Welcome back to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. In today's episode, we present an interview with Dr. Pamela Flood, Professor of Anesthesiology, Perioperative and Pain Medicine at the Stanford University Medical Center. She is the lead author on Beat-to-Beat Heart Rate and Blood Pressure Variability and Hypertensive Disease in Pregnancy. In this paper, published in the November issue of the American Journal of Perinatology, the author set out to determine the relationship between heart rate and or blood pressure variability measured at 28 weeks gestation and the incidence of pregnancy-induced hypertension or preeclampsia. Dr. Flood was kind enough to take time out of her busy schedule to talk with us earlier this year. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. I want to start an idea behind your investigation. I know you talk about the possibility of dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system as potentially an early predictor of hypertensive disease. Could you take a few minutes just to talk to us about how you came about deciding to pursue this evaluation of these specific physiologic parameters and potentially prediction of preeclampsia and how these are measurements of potentially this dysregulation of autonomic nervous system? Well, as you know, hypertensive disease is a major problem in pregnancy that can lead to term delivery and problems with the mom and problems with the baby. In our work, we had looked previously at heart rate and blood pressure variability as measures autonomic regulation, particularly heart rate variability. High-frequency heart rate variability is well known to be an index of cardiac parasympathetic modulation. So basically, if the parasympathetic nervous system is out of control, some of the manifestations of preeclampsia could occur. We hadn't previously looked at blood pressure variability with respect to pregnancy, but to be honest with you, nobody really knows what blood pressure variability means. High-frequency blood pressure variability is a product of changes in blood pressure due to your respiration, Um, but we were specifically looking at low-frequency blood pressure variability, and this occurs over a much longer time scale, and it may have something to do with the control of vascular tone. So we thought that control of vascular tone might be related to preeclampsia. Certainly. So in other words, there was kind of a physiologic basis for the potential of this proposed measurement to potentially predate the development of clinical preeclampsia. And I believe you point out a couple of different possibilities. One is this could be a low-cost predictor as well as it could potentially enrich a study population to allow a better prospective evaluation of these women at risk for hypertension. Yes, exactly. Looking at heart rate variability is no more difficult than recording an EKG. And looking at blood pressure variability requires a little blood pressure cuff that goes on your finger. But it's not terribly complex. It shouldn't be very expensive. In terms of enriching a research population, if you could figure out who is going to become preeclamptic, you know, there are several things in clinical trials that could be used, but you certainly don't want to give them to women who aren't going to be preeclamptic. 
could be helpful in that respect. I think you're exactly right. I've been involved with clinical trials for investigational agents to be used potentially to modify a person's risk or outcome in preeclampsia. And one of the things that we deal with, given the poor predictive nature of the tools that we have, we would potentially expose a lot of healthy individuals to an exposure that may not be necessary. Now, in this case, it looks like this data came specifically from pregnant military women who were stationed at Lackland Air Force Base. Since these were all individuals in the military, do you believe that this might represent a population that has already been pre-screened for conditions fairly rigorously, or what do you think are the specific limitations of using a military population in this case? For one thing, this is an older data set. It comes from 1996-2001. It was a data set that we had this information on. The nice thing about a military data set is that we have very good information on the individual and they're very likely to comply with follow-up. The downside is that we do not have many of the risk factors for preeclampsia, so this would not expect it to be a particularly enriched data set for preeclamptic. You know, I imagine that also it would allow you a very good measure of health as well as very good, well-defined variables that could be assessed going forward. One thing that I was interested in is, since this is a secondary analysis, what was the original intent of the study for which these individuals were recruited for? The original intent was looking for variables that could predict preterm delivery. Let me ask you this. In measuring the heart rate variability as well as the blood pressure variability, tell us a little bit about how you perform that and especially how you transform this data to spectral power. Well, as I said, the heart rate variability is simply a recording of EKG. In this particular study, it was done sitting down, and then they did some measurements in other settings, but we didn't use them in this analysis. They had the patient stand up. They had the patient do sort of a stress response but we just used the baseline data. And then the data is digitized and the interval between the RR peaks is recorded. The uh, oscillations are set up to be at particular frequencies that had previously been defined as low and high frequencies. In terms of blood pressure, it's basically the same thing. The blood pressure is recorded with a finger cuff over a five-minute period of time at baseline. And then the variability in the blood pressure measurement over time is recorded by frequency. And so when you actually enrolled these women, it looks like we had 385 women undergo the testing, of which 26 developed pregnancy-induced hypertension and 27 developed preeclampsia. So you had a pretty good population of women that really met the criteria for two different common hypertensive diseases of pregnancy that we always struggle with defining the difference between the two as well as what happens with them. So when you were left with these, say, 50 some odd women developing hypertensive disease. Tell us a little bit about what you were able to find to potentially discriminate these two diagnoses, pregnancy-induced hypertension versus preeclampsia. We found that high-frequency heart rate variability, which is measured vagal tone, was reduced in those who would go on to develop pregnancy-induced hypertension but not preeclampsia, and low-frequency, both diastolic and systolic, blood pressure variability was increased in women who would develop pregnancy-induced hypertension but not preeclampsia. So it seems Mm -hmm. like these markers were able to differentiate the woman who would go on to develop pregnancy-induced hypertension, but they were not present in those who would develop preeclampsia. It's also very reassuring that it looks like in your data, a lot of the variables that we associate clinically with the development of these conditions were also found, such as being heavier at the time, 
you know, seem to lead to this. Age also seem to suggest this as well. Weight also playing a role. How do you see this potentially being expanded in the future? Do you believe that the data look different if you had a more diverse population? Do you have any insight as far as if we were to take obese individuals, for instance, would we see differences there that may be unique? Really not sure, but that's clearly the next step is this needs to be expanded in a, first of all, more contemporary setting and done as a prospective trial. The other thing is, is do you see this being possibly expanded to low resource settings? Is it possible that a test like this could be used in a setting that does not have access to modern medical interventions, labs, this sort of thing? Sure. Well, the spectral analysis is more complicated to do, but you'd have to have access to a computer, basically. A place that has the ability to record a heart rate could do heart rate variability, and the spectral analysis is done by computer. So it would be very reassuring if a doctor, for instance, at a low-resource center saw a patient with elevated blood pressure. You know, they could be reassured that it would be okay to send the patient home, and they don't need to be upgraded to a higher-resource facility. The other thing that I thought about when looking at this is a lot of our patients, when we're in the process of making a diagnosis of hypertensive disease in pregnancy, we may start that patient on blood pressure therapy. So we may use a beta blocker, we may use a calcium channel blocker. Would you anticipate that these patients would need to be screened prior to the institution of blood pressure management? Yes, absolutely. Blood pressure management would affect heart rate and blood pressure variability. And in fact, these patients weren't on any blood pressure medication. Well, we thank you very much for taking time out of your day to spend with us in understanding the beat-to-beat heart rate and blood pressure variability and its relationship to hypertensive disease and pregnancy. This has been most enlightening. Great. Thank you so much. That was the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. Thank you for listening. To find out more and to read this month's highlighted paper, go to www.tima.com forward slash AJP or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com AMJ Perinatology. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes and join us next month when we will discuss another paper from the pages of the American Journal of Perinatology.